Thank you, thank you. That's right, guys. My name's Tom, and it's such a great honour and a privilege to be able to speak to you guys tonight. It looks like we've got a full house, so how good is God? Can I just say how much I love this church? I've been going here since I was a little toddler when I was three years old, when my family moved down from Queensland. And so I've gone through the kids' ministry. I've gone through youth, and now I'm a youth leader. And it's just, it's just amazing. Let me tell you, it's just amazing to see how God has just had his hand and his provision over this place, over this church. Over the last, what, 15 years, he's just been working. He's just been not just in my own faith, my own heart, but in the church. And it's just an absolute blessing to see. So I'm really excited. I'm believing. I'm expectant. And I've been praying that God is going to have um, his way tonight, that his presence is just going to be powerful on us tonight, that we'll get a revelation out of his word. Um, so let's get, let's get started. But I want to start with prayer. I want to start with not just me praying, but you guys praying as well. Let's lift up God. Let's ask him just to have his way. Um, and that all the, all the stress, all the anxious thoughts that we've been having through the week, that we can just give that to him. So let's enter in time of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, we thank you so much that you know every person in this room, that you know our hearts and our minds. God, you know the gifts and the strengths that you've given us, and you know the anxious thoughts, the doubts, the sins, Lord. I just ask that you just have your way, God. We just invite your Holy Spirit in this place. We ask that you just do your work. Father, we thank you so much that we can come into your presence, that we can even just pray to you because of your son. Thank you, Lord, for this. We want to lift you up. Have your way, not ours. Let your kingdom, let your kingdom come, God, in your mighty name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I'm really excited to get into this. I hope you guys are too. But I've got a bit of a question for you guys to get started. Now, it's not an easy question. Someone said, hit me. It's not an easy question. The question is, do you want to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go tonight? Do you want to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go tonight? So let me tell you where the Holy Spirit has gone before. In 1892, this man from America, American preacher, I know, right? America, right? But there's an American preacher named George Grubb who came down to Launceston. And in anticipation for this, we see that around 30 ministers of Launceston gathered together in unity, in harmony to pray. They were praying that God would just use this man to, to do something powerful in Launceston. More specifically, they were praying that, um, they were praying that Launceston would be shaken out of its apathy. Now, it's amazing because what happened was on the 27th of January in 1892, on a Wednesday morning at 3 a.m., the day that George Grubb was going to speak, an earthquake happens in Launceston. Now, this earthquake, it went all the way to Victoria. It was that massive. It took down chimneys. There was havoc in Launceston. And it was fair enough to say that literally the people of Launceston were shaken out of the apathy. And then we see that in the Albert Hall, where George Grubb gets, goes up to speak, 3,000 people gather. 3,000 people gather. This was not meant to be a massive event. But we see that 3,000 people gather because these guys, these people of Launceston were starting to ask the bigger questions. Like, what is life for? Is there something after? Because they were literally shaken out of the apathy. So then we see that George Grubb gets up and speaks. I don't know what he spoke on. I wasn't back then. I'm sure there's a couple, I'm sure there's a couple of older people that might have, I'm not very good at maths, but, and yet it's amazing to see that out of this, out of the 3,000 people that gathered, over 1,000 committed their hearts to Christ, 
Over a thousand people committed their hearts to Christ. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. And he did it right here in Launceston. This is what he wanted to do. And these men, these people that gathered to pray, to expect, to believe, they had this faith to go where the Holy Spirit wanted to go. And my question to us tonight is, do we have the faith to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go? Do we have the faith to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go? So let's get into God's word. Let's look at what faith, um, just to get a better understanding of what faith is, let's look at God's word and just see what the Bible says faith is. So we know that the classic Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of of the things we hope for, a conviction of the things unseen. And in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18, it says that we look not to what can be seen, but to what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is eternal. What can, sorry, what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. So faith can be understood as an assured belief. An assured belief in what has not come, in what we cannot see, but it's more than just, oh, we don't just hope it is true because we want it to be true, but it's an assured belief. It's a conviction that we have we have this conviction that it will take place, even though we have not seen it yet. That's what faith is. Faith is like having a kingdom perspective. It's like having a lens focused on God, on his character and his promises, and not just on our circumstances, not just on what we're going through, but it's having this kingdom perspective focused on God and his character, his son Jesus, being in an intimate relationship with him and his Holy Spirit, being able to look not to our own circumstances, not to what our friends tell us, not to even what our mum tells us, but to look at what, how God sees us. That's where, we come, that's where we get our identity. But we see that it's a lens focused on God, not our circumstances. So with this in mind, we get to understand what an earthly perspective is. So we see what the kingdom perspective is, but the earthly perspective is having a focus on what we can see, what our circumstances tell us, what the facts predict, what the what our feelings sense, what our emotions tell us. So instead of putting our faith in these, instead of putting our belief that of the, in these, we put our belief in Jesus. So let's go to Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34. A bit of context to Matthew 6 is that Jesus is talking to the people on a mountain, a great crowd. And we see that throughout this, um, this passage that he is talking about how we're not meant to be seeking this earthly perspective but a kingdom one. We're not meant to be seeking the things that we might want, the things we might desire, but we're meant to be seeking a kingdom perspective. He's talking about um, not storing up treasures on earth. And then we get to this passage in Matthew 6, where it says, 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, how they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe you of your little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Suffocant for the day is in Suffocant for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus is saying to us here, he's asking us, are we going to choose to live with a kingdom perspective? Or are we going to choose to live with this kingdom perspective? Are we going to seek the things that we desire? Are we going to seek what other people think about us? Or are we going to come with a kingdom perspective, with a lens on him, with a focusing on his kingdom, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? See, naturally, we seek our earthly desires. Naturally, we, we think about what everyone else is thinking about us. We think about how I'm presenting, what I'm looking like, have I dressed well. Now, Jesus doesn't condemn these things. He's not saying they're bad. But he's saying we're not meant to put a belief in them. We're not meant to hold them to such a value that when we lack, we have this lack of faith when we lack those earthly things. But we're meant to have a kingdom perspective. So Jesus is very clearly saying, we're not meant to be anxious. We're not meant to be anxious about what we're wearing, how we're presenting, when our next paycheck is coming in. If while we aren't dating yet, what tomorrow holds. But he's telling us we need to live with a kingdom perspective. A kingdom's perspective focused on God's character and God's promise for us. That he will provide. So when we decide not to seek the earthly, when we decide to seek him, he will provide. That's what he says. That's the promises. Look at how he provides the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. How much more will he provide for us? When our perspective is focused on Jesus and not on what other people think about us and on ourselves and our own desires. When we focus on Jesus, when we have a kingdom perspective, he will provide. How many of us tonight, how many of us have come in with stressful lives? How many of us have things on our mind? I can say I definitely do. But we're not meant to be anxious about what tomorrow holds, but have a faith in him, have a kingdom perspective on the bigger things. We see that there's a lot of people in the Bible who live this way. There's a lot of people that we can look up to because they had a kingdom perspective. Abraham had faith in God's promise. Abraham had faith in God's promise that despite the fact that he was 100 years old, despite the fact that his wife was well past the age to bear a child, to conceive, he had a faith in God that God's promise that he would have a son would come to pass even when it was unseen, even when it was impossible for man. But it's, a po- it's possible for God. We see that Moses had faith in God's character that God would provide for the Israelites in the desert. Despite not having food or water, he looked not to the earthly situations, but he put his faith in God's character and that God would provide for him. Joshua had faith in God's word that when God told him to go and march around Jericho, despite how silly it would have looked, despite him probably having these doubts that it wouldn't work, probably feeling foolish in front of his army, being a young leader, he had this faith that God's word, God's command would come true. This is all unseen. He didn't see the walls fall down, but he had to believe, he had to have faith that the walls would come down because God's word said so. We see there's an incredible man named Hezekiah. Now, you guys probably don't know Hezekiah, But he's in three different books of the Bible. He's in three different books of the Bible. 
And we find in 2 Chronicles 32, he's in this situation where he's, he's surrounded by the Assyrian army. He's surrounded, he's, that Jerusalem is besieged. And yet, we see that he has this kingdom perspective and not this earthly one. He doesn't look at the facts. He doesn't look at the circumstances. Let me tell you, he was building towers. He was building, um, he was making weapons so that he would, you know, he was providing. He was trying to do his best. He wasn't just sitting back and going, oh, well, God will provide, so I won't do anything. He was doing stuff, but he had this faith, not in the circumstance that he was surrounded. There was people in, his, in Jerusalem. There was women that didn't have enough strength to give birth. That's what it says. That's how bad their circumstance was. There were people in there that were, they were getting, the Assyrian army, they were mocking them, saying that they'd have to drink their own urine. That's how desperate their situation was. But we see that King Hezekiah, despite all this, despite all the scene, he had this faith in God. And we read that in um, 2, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7. It says, be strong and courageous. This is King Hezekiah speaking to the Israelites. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Syria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an army of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the word of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he had this, he saw the flesh, but he realized that there's a God that's bigger than the flesh. Do we have this faith to go where the Holy Spirit wants us to go? Do we have this faith to go into our schools? Do we have a faith to go into our workplaces? Do we have a faith to commit the rest of our life to Jesus wherever he's calling us? If he's calling us to a career that doesn't look financially stable, are we willing to go there because God said so? Even though it's risky, even though we can't see the end result, are we willing to live for him going anywhere that the Holy Spirit wants us to go? Now, we might look at faith and be like, well, I want faith. A lot of us here already have faith. We are the church with the body of Christ. We are told to grow our faith. We are told to increase our faith. Luke 17, the disciples asked Jesus to grow their faith, to increase their faith. That's our job as Christians. We can't, once we commit our lives to Jesus, our faith has to increase. It doesn't stay at the same capacity, but it has to increase. Maybe you're here tonight and you, haven't, you don't have faith in Jesus. Well, I just want to welcome you. I just want to encourage you. We don't want to make you feel awkward in this place, but we'd love to just invite you on this journey with us to explore what, um, what this whole thing's about and explore Jesus through the Bible and let's see what, what he holds, what his truth is. Maybe, maybe there's nothing, but I certainly believe there is something. So I want to invite you on this journey. But for us here who are Christians, we believe that we need to be growing our faith because that's what the Word of God says. So how? How do we grow our faith? A.W. Tozer puts it this way. Get acquainted with God through reading the Scriptures and faith will come naturally. Get acquainted with God through reading the Scriptures and faith will come naturally. Let me ask you another challenging question. Are we in the Word of God? Are we in the Word of God? If we're serious about turning up to church, if we're serious about a relationship with Christ, we need to be in the Word of God. See, it says in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Faith comes from the Word. Faith comes from reading the Word to being in God's presence. We can't grow our own faith no matter how much we want it. We can't strive 
to get our own faith. See, faith is a work of the Spirit. So God grows our faith, not us. God grows our faith when we come into his presence. And we can come into his presence through his word. So are you in his word? Are you in God's word? This needs to be daily. See, we see, we see that God's word, it has power. It has power to transform us. See, when we come to God's word, he renews our mind. And when we renew our mind, we get transformed into being more like Christ. We see by reading in the word that we see the promises he made to the people that we just read about and lots more. We see his promises and we see how he provides for them. This grows our faith. When we're in the word of God, we don't just read it and then put it down, but we we can meditate it on even in the times when we're anxious, even in the times that we're stressed. Even in the times where we're lacking to have that perspective, even times when we're lacking to see to have a lens on God, but we have a lens on our earthly, earthly things, we can go back to the Word, we can meditate on it, we can know what it says, and we can live by it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalms 1, 2-3. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and the leaves does not wither, In all that he does, he prospers. When we hear his word, when we meditate on his word, and then when we live it out, faith comes and God helps us to put our faith in Christ. Christ becomes our firm foundation when we come to his word. Faith comes naturally. We start to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else is added. Now, I talked about a couple of people with a kingdom perspective. But there's one I forgot to mention. Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. This was his earthly situation. He was coming to the cross the whole time. He was sent to come to the cross. But despite getting spat on, despite getting kicked, despite getting punched, despite this earthly situation, he went to the cross for us. He went to the cross to defeat death. It says in um, Matthew 26, verse 39. Oh, sorry. It says when Jesus, see, we see that Jesus came to the cross. And despite all those bad things that would happen to him, we see at Gethsemane in the garden, we see that he prayed the words, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We see that despite all this that was going to happen to him, he had this faith to put his trust in the character of God. He had his faith to go wherever God wanted to go. Do we have faith to go wherever God wants to go? See, through what Jesus did on the cross, now we have access to so much more than just this world. We have a whole eternity to look forward to. We have a, in this light, we can live for so much more and not just our earthly circumstances. So I want to ask, do we have faith no matter how bad our circumstances are? Because they can be pretty bad. Despite how bad our circumstances are, do we have faith to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go? 
when we walk in this perspective in light of what Jesus has done for us, can we have peace in every circumstance? And we can, because Jesus is the Lord of peace. So when we come to him in faith, it's a natural thing that he gives us peace, because he is peace. So when we come to him with our earthly circumstances, when we come to him with a lack of money and we're stressed, we're stressed about finances, when we come to him, he gives us peace about this. He provides for all we need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will provide. Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not easy and light because all our circumstances, all our anxious situations just disappear. We see that through King Hezekiah, that his situation didn't just disappear. It was still there, but he chose to have faith in God and God gave him peace. Do you have peace tonight? Do you have peace tonight? This isn't because we place our faith. We place our faith in Jesus and we can have peace. But do we have the faith to go wherever the Holy Spirit wants us to go? Do we have the faith to go wherever God wants us to go? It says in Matthew 16, 24, 26, and Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my, but whoever loses my life, sorry, their life, whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Do we have faith to go where the Holy Spirit wants us to go, even if it's to persecution, even if it's to the cross that Jesus has for us? What is that for you tonight? And are you willing to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go? Maybe tonight is the night that you are going to go where God wants you to go. Maybe tonight you've been a Christian for a long time, but you recognize that you haven't been living with faith. But you've been seeking this world and what the world offers, earthly things. Maybe it's been so long since you've felt true peace because we can only come to peace through the Lord of peace. Maybe you've been anxious about every little thing in your week. Maybe there's these, a list of things that you're anxious about. If this is you tonight, it's time to make that change. It's time to step into where God wants you to go. To live by faith and not by sight. Maybe you're here and you haven't been in God's word. And you haven't been hungry to grow your faith. Maybe your faith has not been increasing, but maybe since a certain point you decided, maybe it was a circumstance that came up, but you decided just to sit there, just to come to church, just to look like you've got a relationship with Jesus, look like, because He loves us, right? And that's all we need. Well, there's a level of truth truth as well. He loves us, but there's truth that we need to grow our faith. There's truth that He has a purpose for us to call you out into. 
Are you ready to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go? And maybe you're here and you don't have faith in Jesus, but you realize that tonight, tonight's the night that you want to give your heart to God because He has a purpose for you. He loves you. He's died for the cross for you. And now you can make the decision to live in His truth, in His light. If this, if God's put this on your heart tonight, I want to invite you in this time of worship as we play firm foundation, saying that Jesus is our firm foundation. I want to invite you to, to declare that. I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to tell you to, to come up the front and raise your hands. I just want to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to do something tonight. He wants to do something tonight, not back in 1892, but tonight. He wants to do it to you. Is it time for you to go where the Holy Spirit wants to go?